Look, I'm going to tell you this is a, an absolute crazy story. Doctors draw on paper. They use their hand, hand and paper, to draw the pathologies that they see in your eyes to keep track of the evolution of them. That's great. Yeah. I'm picturing them doing it with crayons. Welcome, everyone, to the Startup Knockout Podcast. I'm your host, Timo Higgs. Today, we have Federico Acosta, formerly a clinical engineer and now CEO of Custom Surgical, a startup based here in Munich that is democratizing medical imaging. We're very fortunate to have him here today. This is going to be a very interesting conversation. Federico, thanks so much for coming on the show. Timo, thank you very much for having me here. It's my pleasure to be on your podcast. I like very much the setup and the thanks that you're doing over here. I'm so pleased to hear that. Let's get into you, where you come from, your background, your professional career and all that. So you started as an engineer at a clinical application specialist in Colombia and then in Chile. Um, these are very technical positions and I'm curious what these technical positions taught you that then you could then use as CEO of Custom Surgical. What it gave me definitely was the experience of um, uh, being with doctors during diagnostic procedures, right? You have to learn all the terms. You have to start understanding what are the types of pathologies that you see in the eye, the different types of surgeries that you can apply to those pathologies. So that was the learning for some time. Also, it came a lot of uh, with a lot of uh, technical uh, learnings because I was visiting companies uh, in the United States, uh, here in Europe, to learn about their technologies, to learn how the systems work. Mm, that's that's interesting. So yeah. it's almost like you became half a doctor. No, but you like not a half a doctor, but you get to understand the doctors, and that's the important thing. For example, I. I get a lot of people from my family asking, you know, I have this thing on my eye. What should I do? And I'm like, you know, I know what you have, so I could recommend to you the best doctor that I know on that subject. So that in itself is pretty valuable for, especially for all of your friends and family. Um, so <clears throat> you said you were in surgeries there, and in our pre-interview, you had said thousands of surgeries you've been in in uh, fifteen or more different countries. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious how necessary was that experience for you to be able to build custom surgical? So I think that experience is, or the result of that experience is custom surgical. So I was the only engineer with the knowledge of specific equipment. So I had to go everywhere where this equipment was being sent. My role back then was to certify doctors on the usage of a specific machines. So I knew all the technicalities about the machine. In this case, it was a femtosecond laser for eye surgery. So very high-tech, novel machine. So by spending so much time with them and going to all the surgeries, I started to notice certain patterns. And this is um, what I believe is like the organic way of becoming an entrepreneur, right? Getting a lot of experience in certain stuff and starting to see patterns and finding a way to solve uh, those issues or problems that, that you're seeing on a regular basis. And while I was going to the surgery, I realized that there were amazing doctors in countries like English Guyana, 
uh, that I was going to in Honduras, Guatemala. They were doing crazy stuff like operating people <clears throat> with very low resources, like very, you know, narrow the instruments that they could get. Nothing fancy, but they were operating this type of people and uh, they were doing amazing stuff. And then I was like, whoa, this is huge. We need to show the world how you do this procedure because this is something that doctors in other countries could learn from. But to record a video from that situation that is happening under the microscope, it's super complicated. And it is still super complicated. I started prototyping, doing stuff, and that's how I uh, suddenly developed the first product of our company we have been selling that is an optical system that will allow anybody to connect any smartphone to the microscope and acquire microscopic videos or images from the procedures that are being done. So that's interesting. You're you're getting right in the middle of the process. And I, I guess, is this an analog process? Is, is this not digital at all, these microscopes? Or are they digital, but there's just no data coming out of them that is recordable and then shareable? 100% analog. They're not digital. You don't have any recording system. There's also like the ones that have digital cameras, but that's the thing. There's a huge price jump between having a regular microscope uh, that works perfectly and with which you can operate to having a microscope that have recording capabilities. 90% of microscopes are analog. 10% have recording capabilities. And this is where we are playing on those 90% of the microscopes out there that people used to operate in to see everything, but they cannot acquire any data. And we are transforming these 90% of the microscopes into digital microscopes. And this means not only microscopes can record or capture data, but also microscopes that can enhance their functionalities now that they're digital. And how much are we talking for one of these microscopes? Like, are we talking thousands, tens of thousands? 20, 30,000. Oh. If you want to add a recording unit to it, then put an extra 20,000 on it. This is where we are definitely disrupting how the market of uh, digital cameras for microscopy has been uh, yeah, evolving during the past decade. Because what you would be paying for a high-end smartphone, you pay for our system, and now you can connect your high-end smartphone, record everything, capture images, capture videos, but most importantly, you can input to that microscope further functionalities that will make it a smart microscope and give it a lot more usages. And this this is your flagship product, MicroRec, correct? You are absolutely right. Uh, but what exactly are they doing with this that they weren't doing before? How are those images and those features being used? Look, I'm going to tell you this is a, an absolute crazy story. But until today, doctors draw on paper. They use their hand, hand and paper, to draw the pathologies that they see in your eyes to keep track of the evolution of them. So they you can't have, be serious. They have these, <laughs> these paper sheets with like eyes drawn on them already. So they will draw on top of those eyes the pathology that they see. So if it's like a corneal ulcer, stuff like that, they would draw it and they would say, like, yeah, it looks like this, almost this size, boom. And then, like, you have your your drawing on the clinical history, and then it will come in six months, and they will compare that drawing to what they're actually seeing. Now, and 
this is still happening. And actually, we, that's great. Yeah, I'm we, picturing them doing it with crayons. <laughs> <laughs> well, they use colors, right? So they, they must. I mean, they want it to be exact, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but anyways, so that's happening, and it's because of this lack of of tools. Give us a give us kind of like a specific step by step use case. So a doctor now has your micro rec attached to his system. He's making a diagnosis. He records some images of the inside of the eye. Uh, what does he do with those images? Ideally, you as a patient would come. You will sit down. He will examine your eye like he does regularly, but he would also take a picture. And then with that picture, uh, he can track the progression of that illness that you have or of, of, of your eye. So whenever you come back in six months, you can compare one to another. It's like an x-ray or a CT scan or an ultrasound nowadays where on day one, you notice something, you take a picture of it, maybe 60 days later, you go back, you take another picture, and then you compare the two and see, yeah. has this progressed? Has it not progressed? But you're doing right. it now with a much greater level of detail because you're not drawing it in with pencil crayons anymore. If you go to the ophthalmologist currently, you sit down and then they examine your eye and they are like, oh, yes, you have this. Believe me. <laughs> you know, stop. You know, you have this. And they try to explain this pathology. And that's it. You have only the words of the, of the ophthalmologist. But then if there is an image being captured, and you can see yourself that image and understand what or or see what is wrong in your eye. That for you is, as a patient, is an amazing tool. What is the response you're getting from doctors when you approach them with your microwork product and these solutions? Are they recognizing the value right away and saying, yes, we absolutely want this? Or does it take a little bit of education first before... They understand, and then they're ready to, you know, integrate this into their work. Our systems are present in 65 different countries. We have sold uh, thousands of systems at this moment. And the way that this has been happening is because first, doctors are a very close community. So there's a lot of word of mouth where they're happening. So any, the benefits of our systems and the usage of our systems has spread through the community, through word of mouth and through social media. And that's us being a very early startup, selling a lot of systems without actually investing heavily in sales, without doing lots of cold calling, but just having the customers come to our website and order the systems by themselves, pay them with the cards and receiving them back home. It's spreading without you having to push which I'm sure you're enjoying not having to hire salespeople and pay the extra money to get that out there. Another product that you guys have been creating, which uh, is based with augmented reality, which is something I love talking about. And this is to help train surgeons in cataract surgery. So you and I, when we were talking previously in the pre-interview, gave me a bit of an introduction to cataract surgery, which I did not realize how big of a problem this is. So maybe give our listeners an idea of first, what is a cataract if they don't already know? And why is cataracts such a big problem in the world today? Cataract surgery is the most common surgical procedure in the world currently. 
And the reason behind it is that uh, as we age, one of the main components of our eyes uh, is uh, the crystalline lens that we have in our eyes. This crystalline lens helps us focus to the near, to the distance, right? So the fact that that lens is changing, it's becoming like more solid or, or harder and also a little bit blurry. So it's, it starts looking a little bit cloudy and that's the cataract. This starts happening with like around um, the 60 years of age. As population ages, if people that is over 60 years, they're going to have to go through this procedure at some point in their lives. So this means every single person in the world over 60 years will have to go through cataract surgery. And this is why it's the most common surgical procedure in the world. Now, it is also the main cause of blindness. Because uh, although we know how to cure it, although we know and yeah, like we've become real experts on it, there's not enough people to operate all the people that needs this surgical procedure in the world. It's just most people don't have access to the surgery. Is that right? You are absolutely right. And how is your product using augmented reality to help with this problem? How are you helping to train doctors? What we do is that we program mobile applications that enhance the functionalities of these microscopes. And uh, one of those examples is uh, one of our latest application that is called the MitroArt, Mitro Augmented Reality Train. So by having the smartphone on the microscope, we can use computer vision to track different uh, things that are being seen under the microscope. In this case, a ice or models of ice. So with the camera of the uh, smartphone, we can track the position uh, of a model of an eye. And now that we know at every single moment where that eye is, with uh, augmentations on the live screen, we can point uh, those trainees or student surgeons where to do the different procedures of this uh, surgical procedure. So you should cut over here. You should make this movement here around. You should place the prosthesis in this part. So all of these things, we can do them by guiding the surgeon with real light uh, feedback on the smartphone screen. And the smartphone can tell them what to do. But even most interestingly, at the end, the smartphone can give you a grading and tell you how you perform. That is fantastic. So on the one side, you're basically turning your app into like a living textbook where you've got the augmented reality over top and you're training them how to do it. And then you follow them as they're doing their training and telling them here you can improve, here you can improve, here you're doing really well. So they get really good exact feedback about how well the surgery is going so that they become better doctors and not just that they can do it, but that they can do it well. You're training for mastery. Oh, but <laughs> that was a very nice, a very nice description. I, you know, digital Thank you. Experts. Well, I do talk for a living. Yeah. <laughs> you also talked a little bit before about you becoming sort of producers of data that these large language models like ChatGPT can learn from in order to 
become really effective AIs. Can can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, definitely. And, and this is a, a subject that is like super interesting uh, currently uh, that a lot of people is talking about. So how do you give uh, these AI generative models all the tools that they need to learn from? And that's the other side of, of the story where I believe that we are at, right? In our case, we are helping digitalize these microscopes and we are allowing doctors to capture data or to generate data. So now we have thousands of people capturing images like this in all the different continents of the world. And we are suddenly producing huge amounts of data, data that we alone can access and data that can be used for uh, models of AI. And that's the current boom, models as a service. The data that you're creating, on the one hand, first, it's teaching doctors. It's teaching doctors how to be better doctors. But now you're also teaching AIs and help out with, I assume, diagnoses and surgeries and everything. And this is also a business opportunity for you. You have all of this data and you can use that data to help train these data sets and make them better. As that passes, as we gather a lot of data, I envision a future in which just with your smartphone, you can diagnose pathologies of your eye by yourself or just asking your mom, your father, your daughter, whoever, to capture an image of your eye. And by capturing an image of your eye, you will have an AI model that is going to tell you, you know what? You have to a certain extent something that is uncommon on your eye. This might be a cataract. This might be macular degeneration. This might be a coronal uh, ulcer. You should better go to an ophthalmologist, right? So by democratizing access to images, we get a lot of data in that data is going to allow us to have artificial intelligence tools that will help us uh, support diagnostics and allow people to be diagnosed on an early stage with tools like just a smartphone. Yeah, this this is music to the ears of governments around the world, especially that have socialized medicine, because anything that makes their healthcare system more efficient is a wonderful thing for them, right? Because if you can send people at the right moment so that they don't become more expensive patients into the future. Like a blind person takes a lot of money to take care of. But if you can send them right at the right moment without having to do expensive diagnoses, then you can make that, at least that pathway, considerably more efficient and less costly. Um, but I want to talk about you for this last section. And you have a very interesting background that tied you to Germany. So you went to a German school in Colombia until the age of 18. So you already had kind of a foot in German culture before you came here to do your master's. How was that when you already had sort of a German educational background coming over here? I was thankfully like lucky enough that my father really uh, wanted us to, to have this type of good education over there. One of the best schools in, in Colombia. So once you're there, you actually in Colombia, different than over here, you start studying when you're four at that school and you stay over there until you are 18. So I had already the experience of coming to Germany back when I was at school. I stayed with a family 
in Baden-Württemberg, in a very small town where they said they spoke German, but it was just a very complicated <laughs> dialect that I was having a hard time to understand, which I learned a little bit. We love South Germany. <laughs> yeah. So the beauty of this country offers like the best education publicly and not only to uh, German citizens, but also to anyone around the world. I wanted to do something that made sense for my company. So I knew exactly what I wanted to study and I was super passionate about it. And uh, then I started looking for different possibilities around the world. I came up to a very easy conclusion that it was that I had to come to Germany because that's the only one that I could afford. The startup ecosystem here in Munich, uh, what are your experiences with it? Because you did your master's at the Technical University of Munich, which is doing a very fantastic job of drawing in talent from all over the world, particularly in deep tech. Uh, I'm wondering, have you had any connection with their incubator or accelerator or any of their resources for startups or any of the resources available here in Munich? Munich is very technical focused, while uh, Berlin is more services focused, uh, I would say. And I think part of the reason behind it is the technical university and their programs. They are supporting uh, engineers, scientists to develop their ideas uh, from the ground up. For example, there's one that I took place in it in that is called um, Expreneurs and where you already might have your company founded. Uh, you are seeking that pre-seed investment and uh, they will help you more on helping secure that seed, helping with your business plan, helping you as a entrepreneur. So, um, yeah, I would say it's, it's fantastic what is being done over here. And then apart from all that support from knowledge and connections that an acceleration program might give you and all of these, uh, evolution process of, of the Ultanematum. There is from this thing, lots of grants, uh, devoted for research and development, lots of support for uh, entrepreneurship in all the different sectors, not just in one specific sector, mostly of course on, on technology based, uh, entrepreneurship. But uh, yeah, there's grants and support from the government on many different aspects. Yeah, and Expreneurs is, it's a very big program and growing, I've heard. So that, I'm not surprised that you took part in that because there's a lot of funding going into it and they're doing a lot of work in that area. And that's, that's very encouraging. It's, it's very nice to see how quickly the Munich startup scene is growing with that kind of help. Now, that'll bring us to the end of our talk about you and your product. And to close it off, we're going to play a quick round of win, lose, or draw. Federico, are you ready to play win, lose, or draw? Ready. Love games. Let's do it. <laughs> Fantastic. So, our first one, win, lose, or draw. AI helping patients, not just doctors, understand their diagnoses better. Draw. But... Asterisk, because I think uh, AI is not going to help you understand your diagnostics better. It's uh, That's already something that with software by itself we're doing. But AI 
super win, and that's going to be the win of the winnest. Uh, AI helping diagnose on early stage different types of pathologies. Next one. You mentioned that there are a lot of people, probably in rural areas, who can never get the cataract surgery because, first, they never get the diagnostic. Second, they don't have access to a doctor. So, win, lose, or draw, augmented reality, making cataract surgery feasible for non-doctors. It's a lost. It's a lost. Augmented reality will help doctors uh, train faster and become surgeons, like doctors becoming surgeons faster. But augmented reality by no means can uh, support uh, on the surgical procedure to non-specialist uh, super red hole. Okay, so that's a loss. Yeah. And I should probably feel comforted about that, that surgery remains in the hands of trained professionals. Yeah, it's in it. That's a good thing. All right, next one. Uh, win, lose, or draw. Cataracts being eliminated as a cause of blindness. It would be a win, but in 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 a very long time. Like, we are not there yet. We are not there yet, but that's exactly what we are working towards. We need to diagnose on time, but we need to make sure that like we can pay for, for the surgery of all these people. Bringing it within reach economically of everyone. Yeah. Got it. Okay, and here's our last one. This is one that's very close to my heart. A hope I've had for a long, long time. Win, lose, or draw glasses one day becoming a thing of the past. Come on. <laughs> you cannot put a single oh, tag on I, this one. I got plenty <laughs> nervous. It's super complicated. That's yeah. the whole point of the game. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm going to go and burn myself by saying we. And okay. But you need to allow me to give some context on this. Of course. First, currently there is a lot of debate on how myopia is racing all around the world. Like it's becoming a pandemic. There's a lot of uh, things happening also with the use of smartphones and tablets that are affecting our vision. So it's the number is growing and it's growing at a pace that is insane, right? In the future, we might tackle the problem differently and not even need glasses because since we are understanding the problem better and there is a lot more awareness, I believe in the future we're gonna uh, like strongly tackle this problem to make sure that from a young age we can uh, tackle it so that when you are in your age or when I am my age, we might not need uh, glasses. That's my, my bet. I very much hope that you're right. But we won't hold it to you. Thank you very much for playing win, lose, or draw with me, even though it's stuffing you into a very uncomfortable box. Yeah. Um, that brings us to the end of our show. Uh, thank you so much, Federico, for coming on and teaching me about this. So uh, I hope we can follow your progress and custom surgical and come back and see how you guys are getting on in, uh, in not too long a time. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. It was really, really cool to have this time to talk to you. I'm sorry I get too excited. I start talking more than I should, but uh, probably that's that's the perfect space to do that. This is the place for passion, definitely. Thank you very much, and take care, everyone. That was our chat with Federico Acosta. 
Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can get every video that we make and make sure to come and find us on social media. Take care everyone and we'll see you next week.